The Nightingale has been on my list to read for probably three years, as it's one of my dearest friend's all-time favorite books, and she's an avid reader, so I knew it was going to be good. It absolutely did not disappoint. Listen, I, I'm not a huge fan of novels or fiction books, but I think this book may have changed that for me. I could not put it down. It was so good. On the night I finished reading the book, I was in the bed, wiping tears from my eyes as I finished the last pages, not wanting it to end. A heart-wrenching historical fiction about two sisters in France during World War II when the Nazis took control. It was really a true glimpse into the horrific tragedies and trauma of war and the important role of women in that war. So if you're looking for a great novel to read this summer or this fall, this is it. But be prepared to not be able to put it down, especially once you get to the halfway point. All in all, this book has given me the gift of perspective, and for that, I'm so grateful. You're listening to Work and Play with Nancy Ray, episode 74. Much of our daily lives can be divided into two categories, work and play. Simply put, that is where our life and our legacy take place. This is a podcast all about learning to work and play well, which leads to a healthy soul and a fulfilling life. Let's dive in. Okay, so if you haven't read The Nightingale, here's a quick summary of the book without giving away too much of it. It's a story about two sisters. The setting is a small town in France right outside of Paris. It's during World War II when the Nazis invaded and took over France before the Nazis eventually lost the war. Now, the sisters' names are Vianne and Isabel, and their personalities and stories are, they're so different. But the beautiful thing about this book is that it illuminates the important role of women in the war. It shows the deep losses and traumas they face, the unknowns, the abuse, the family relationships, the love, and their story, and just how they risked their very lives again and again to help others, and how they ultimately survived after the war. Oh, it was so good. I'm so sad the book is over. (laughs) Okay, so at this point, I will say, moving forward, there are going to be some major spoilers in this episode. So if you haven't read the book yet, and you want to, or you're considering it, now is the time to turn off this podcast and come back to it once you're done. As I do for each book in the Nancy Ray Book Club, I'm going to give my three biggest takeaways in this episode. And if you want to learn more about the book club, just head to nancyray.com slash book club, and you can see all the books we're reading this year. You can get on the email list with reading plans and kind of follow along uh, with some of the books I've chosen to read this year. And again, we'll do it next year. It's just a really fun way to have community and read similar things. And just, I like to share what I'm reading with people. So it's kind of fun. Um, But yeah, let's jump into my three takeaways from The Nightingale. Now, disclaimer, I know this is a fictional book. I know If I talk about these characters like they're real or like these things happen in real life, I know it was a fictional novel, but it was based in reality. It's a historical fiction, and the author did so much research on World War II before ever writing these fictional characters. So I might talk about them like they're real. I understand they're not. I just wanted to put that out there. Now, my first big takeaway is this book gave me such an incredible perspective for this year that we're living in in particular. It's given me the gift of perspective 
in 2020? Because there's a lot of hard things going on this year for all of us. It's been a hard year, and I'm not downplaying that. But the beauty of history and looking back, it gives us perspective to see that maybe this isn't as hard as it's been for some people. I mean, the truth is people before us have had it way harder than we have it. We have a lot of good in our lives still. And it's just allowed me to have this deep sense of gratitude as I read the pages of this book. Some of the parts of the Nightingale that have really driven this home for me and given me this perspective is the fact that I don't live on the run. I don't live in fear of my actual life. I don't have a government that dictates what I do or what I believe in or what I don't do or who I'm allowed to live with or, I mean, anything, everything, what I eat. My husband lives at home with me right now and he is not off fighting in a war and I am so grateful for that. I don't have a Nazi living in my home. I could not believe that that was actually a real thing. When I read this book, I was like, wait, is that is that real? Did Nazis actually just come in and stay in people's homes without permission? That's nuts. That's crazy to me. Also, I can buy as much food as I'd like whenever I'd like to. There are countries in the world today where that's not a reality for people. They are given rations or they are, I mean, it's just, it's, I just never want to take these things for granted. So yes, it's given me immense gratitude for living in this country at this time in the world. We have so much to be thankful for, even though it is 2020, there is still so much to be thankful for. My second biggest takeaway is just the trauma of war paired with the trauma of life and how heavy that really is. Isabel and Vianne, they had their own stories and their own trauma and their deep wounds and pain from childhood long before this war ever began. They both suffered the loss of their mother when when she died and they were young. And then, of course, the emotional absence and physical absence of their father. I mean, think about their father, the life that he lived, you know, fighting and living through two wars and how horrific his life, the things that he saw and experienced. Again, I know he's not real, but there were people who did this, you know, it's just, it's mind blowing the heaviness of that, the weight of that. You're just looking at Vianne's life. She lost her mom. She lost her father in a lot of ways, completely emotionally absent, sent her away. She got pregnant at a very young age, uh, then got married on the heels of that, grew up way too fast, and then was basically asked to be the mother or caretaker of Isabel. And she could not, she did not have the emotional maturity or capacity to do that. And then Isabel's total re- rejection from her father. I mean, Isabel was rejected blatantly by her father, as well as her sister who couldn't take care of her. She was completely alone in life. And then after all of this, the war happens. The trauma they went through And the war was unfathomable. I mean, the bombing raid that Isabel survived, the things she saw and experienced, I'll never forget uh, that one glimpse in the the very first bombing raid that she um, experienced was, she she said she saw like this child uh, in a diaper crying next to his dead mother. And she wanted to scoop up that child and help her. And they just, they had to keep going. Um, All of that, like I just, I couldn't wrap my mind around that experience. And then, of course, she lived 
on the run, quite literally. She had no home base, no real identity. Her very name uh, was taken from her. She could not use her real name. No family to return to. And Vian, being a single mom with no real way to provide for her daughter while Antoine was off at war. I mean, seeing, you know, she was fired from her only job after she questioned an officer, having to learn to provide for themselves on literally nothing, nothing. And then her best friend trying to help her best friend and her children escape. And it was not a successful escape. In fact, it was the opposite. It turned into the worst tragedy she's ever experiencing a young girl she knew and loved be murdered in front of her. And then her best friend, she, she was sent to a concentration camp just uh, like a day after hiding in her bunker the whole, or in her cellar the whole day. She came up one time and at that very moment, she was caught and sent away. And then taking her young boy and immediately gaining a son. And having to change his identity and cutting his hair short and dressing him in boyish clothes and making up a whole story about his life and trying to explain this to this precious three-year-old boy. I think the thing that blew my mind the most was, you know, all of this trauma, all of the experiences, I thought that it was at its worst. I thought it was done. It couldn't get any worse. And then it wasn't done. It, It did, in fact, get even worse. Vianne ended up killing Officer Beck, which their weird, toxic, weird relationship just was so weird. I'm just going to leave it at that. It was just so, it was so hot. Like I could not imagine living in the tension of that every single day and night, just so hard. But she ends up killing him out of self-defense, trying to protect Isabel and herself, but she had to live with the secrecy of that. Even though it was in self-defense, I mean, she felt it was murder. How do you live with a secret like that? Like, it's actual torment. And then the new Nazi came, emotionally abused her, raped her, got her pregnant, and as soon as a glimpse of relief happens in her life, that precious moment When the kids are playing and Antoine is home and all seems like it could be right again, these men show up at her door to rescue the son that she had adopted and saved and fallen in love with. And in their rescue of him and sending him back, sweet Ari or Daniel, back to his extended family in America, she lost him. In a moment, in a, in a few minutes, in an afternoon, it happened so fast in a whirlwind of grief completely out of her control. And not only did they take him away, she had to facilitate it. That was the part that like, oh, I could cry talking about it. I, I cried my eyes out on those pages where she had to actually help him get in the car and go to his relatives in America after she had convinced him that he was her son. I don't think I cried harder at any other point in the book than those pages. I mean, it was, yeah, it it was so heavy. It was just remarkable, the grief and the trauma and the loss. And Isabel, oh my word, one of my favorite characters I've ever met in a book. Her defiance, her fierce loyalty to what is right, her unbreakable spirit, her willingness to risk everything again and again and again. She's truly remarkable. 
Just recently, um, this is kind of an aside, we watched this movie called Midway. Um, It's all about the Battle of Midway, which happens in World War II. It's really interesting um, that I was reminded of a pilot in this movie. uh, It was actually a real pilot in real life um, when I was thinking about Isabel. So, quick recap of the movie, and then I'll let you know how it all ties into Isabel. So, the movie Midway recounts the Battle of Midway, which was an incredibly important turning point in World War II. It's fascinating. I highly recommend it. It is gut-wrenching in every way. It's so good. It's a true story. And this one pilot, this one American pilot, had such bravery and almost carelessness with his life that he went straight into the line of fire every time to bomb these massive Japanese aircrafts. you got to watch the movie to understand what I'm talking about. But the bottom line is, at the end of the movie, all the credits are going. They highlight the real people who are represented in this movie who actually fought in the Battle of Midway. And this pilot, whose name was Richard Best, he was a dive bomber pilot who hit and sunk not one but two of the four Japanese aircraft carriers in this battle. Bottom line is, at the end of the movie, credits were rolling. It said this about him. He led his squadron against the Japanese invasion fleet during the Battle of Midway, June 4th through 6th, 1942. And he did it with such boldness, determination, and utter disregard for personal safety that he contributed in a large degree to the magnificent victory of our forces. That is how I felt about Isabel, when I was reading about Isabel. She had such an utter disregard for her personal safety. That's the only way that she helped those pilots who had crashed and were rescued. That's the only way that she had the victories that she had is she literally had an utter disregard for her personal safety. She dealt with the loss of her mom, the rejection of her dad and sister, the rejection of every school she was ever in, and she risked everything Starting out just distributing the pamphlets and then taking the men across the Pyrenees Mountains and then doing it again and then doing it again and doing it again. Every single time she risked her life and she kept going. And the trauma kept going, peaking when she was captured at one of these uh, attempted crossings of the Pyrenees, tortured, questioned, and then sent to a concentration camp to barely survive, barely make it out alive. I love this line in the book. It says, if I have learned anything in this long life of mine, it is this. In love, we find out who we want to be. In war, we find out who we are. And I think that was so true of Vian and Isabel. Yeah, I'm just going to leave it at that. So good. All right. The third takeaway is that the human spirit has a greater capacity for love than we realize. In all of this trauma, all of the heaviness and all of the brokenness and the tears I shed reading this historical fiction, I was so moved by the capacity for love and healing. And there are three scenes in particular where this was so evident and true. Such a beautiful picture of our capacity to love and how God made us for love. When Isabel is weak and crumpling and sick and dying after being brought home from the concentration camp, I think Auschwitz. And then Gaten comes to the gate. He holds her, he cradles her, and he says that he loves her. And it's the thing she's wanted the entire book. 
The entire book, she was just wanting to hear those words from anyone. And he avoided it the whole time. He never told her he loved her, even though she was wanting it so badly. And we all knew that he did. But when he finally said it, oh my word, I just sobbed. It was so precious. In the back of the book, I, I read some of the extra like author notes. And uh, <laughs> Kristen Hannah, who's the author, said, she knew it was good when she couldn't read it without crying. And she read it several times, you know, as she's editing the book and reading it and rereading it um, and bringing it to life. And she said, I, I knew that I had, there was something really special in this moment when I couldn't even make it through without crying. I mean, it was just so powerful and so sweet. And then another moment is, of course, when Vianne had to let Daniel or Ari go. I mean, she had hit him. At her house, she finally got up the courage to take him into town and to lie to everyone in town and say that she had adopted him from a cousin. And she trained him to say, I'm Daniel, I'm Daniel, you're my mama, you're my mama. You know, again and again, she did everything she had to to keep him safe, cut his hair, did everything. And then she, in a moment, in a moment, one afternoon, she had to say goodbye and let him go. Just and and I think, you know, that's such heartache, but what an act of love. Like the capacity. I and mean, she did not even have the capacity, it seemed like, to love in that way, but she did it. She let him go, and that was her loving him, was sending him to his family, even though it didn't feel like it. I mean, that those it was so heavy. Oh, I'm getting like emotional thinking about it. Okay, moving on to the third scene that I think showed the beauty of the human spirit's capacity to love is when Vianne chose to keep the secret from Julian, her son, the very end of the book. You know the secret. If you've read the book, you know the secret I'm talking about. The end of the book, she's standing there with Ari, the son that she had to let go, and Julian. And Ari is the stranger to Julian, but he know, he knows more about the war and about what they suffered through than Julian, and Julian is about to find out everything. It's such a powerful, gripping moment. But even in that moment, Vienne chose to keep her secret from Julian and where he came from and who his real dad was, and she chose to keep that secret because she wanted to preserve his dignity and right or wrong of her to do that. I mean, I don't know that I would have done that. I feel like that secret would have probably eaten me alive, but I'll let you decide. I, right or wrong, It all it shows me, this character in this book has shown me that the human spirit has a great capacity to love, to hope, and to look to others and what's best for them more than yourself, more than we ever could understand or realize. thought it was just beautiful. All in all, I'll never forget this book. I will I will forever be grateful I read it this year in particular because it's just, it is such a gift of perspective. It's reminded me we really never know what someone has gone through. And it will always remind me of the great and beautiful capacity that God has given us to love instead of hate. So grateful. Loved The Nightingale, and I hope you loved it too.
Okay, it's time for the Work and Play Corner Store, which is where I share a book I'm loving and a thing I'm loving. And for quick access, I just want to say you can always head to nancyray.com slash corner store, and it's going to take you directly to Amazon so you can see everything I've ever mentioned here on the podcast or on Instagram. Um, I'll get a small commission from anything you buy through my links, which is why I really am so grateful when you go to nancyray.com slash corner store and buy from my links because it helps me continue to bring this podcast to you every week. Um, but the price is a normal price for you. The price doesn't go up. So it's a win-win. And you can always stay tuned to the Work and Play Corner Store feature at the end of every episode. So of course, my book is going to be The Nightingale. If you listen to it and you listen to all the spoilers and you still haven't read the book and now you really want to, just go to nancyray.com slash corner store and go get yourself a copy because it's so good. Um, okay, the other thing I wanted to mention is my camera. I know that's maybe like, oh yeah, Nancy takes pictures. I don't know. <laughs> but my camera is actually a new camera that I bought at the close of Nancy Ray Photography. It's smaller. Um, it's still full frame. It's mirrorless and it takes gorgeous pictures. It's the Sony A7III. I still don't know the professional way to say it. That's kind of embarrassing, but that's what it is. I'm going to leave a link. I have just really loved it, mostly because my Mark III is kind of bulky and big but this one is smaller and it's so easy to take with me wherever I go and it's it's incredible that's all I'm going to say it's just I really enjoyed it this summer all right that's it thanks for listening to episode 74 of work and play with Nancy Ray everything I've mentioned today can be found in the show notes at nancyray.com slash podcast slash 74 and you can find me at nancyray.com or follow me at Nancy Ray on Instagram almost daily I'm going to close with some of my favorite words from the Nightingale. But love has to be stronger than hate, or there is no future for us. May you choose love this week, friend. Thanks for listening.